0: Welcome to Ancient Answers, where we discuss modern and contemporary issues, but with an ancient point of view, highlighting the way problems were solved in the ancient days. Mm-hmm. I'm Gordon. And I'm Shane. And welcome to Ancient Answers. Now, today's topic is something that may seem mundane, <laughs> but it's the basis of human survival, and that's agriculture, mm-hmm. and the fact that, well, we have to grow food, or... Because we have more people eating food than grow food. And and where did it all start from? Because it certainly started at some point. Well, actually, it is probably the one invention in human history that made the biggest change. At least many scholars think so. Because mm-hmm. somewhere around 8,000 to 10,000 years ago, human beings in different parts of the world began to realize that if you actually took the care to take the seeds that came out of these plants you ate, And put them in the ground in a systematic way, these plants would grow in these locations. Mm -hmm. So seeds had some sort of, I don't know if they thought it was magical, but it had some sort of property that would allow you to grow again and again and again a crop that you could use to feed. And would supplement your hunter-gatherer lifestyle, which is primarily based on gathering whatever you could. And the meat of animals. Yeah,
1: hunting and following herds and nomadic, you know, needing to be nomadic in order to follow your food source, essentially. That's true.
0: Yeah. Now, during this unwritten period of time of, let's say, 10,000 BC, you know, we were seeing the tail end of the Ice Ages. Yeah, that's true. So different parts of the world were a little colder than they are now, uh, to somewhere around 4,000 BC, most scholars kind of peg that date, still before the written record, we still have enough archaeological record to get an idea of how agriculture was growing. Mm-hmm. And you see the development of, of, of the idea of rows, yep. strangely enough. Uh, certainly the idea of designated plots of land being dedicated, usually with you know abundant watering, uh, so as by a stream, by a river, um, or small little lakes and ponds and places like that. But it was, you know, obviously a lot of labor intensive, and at the time, most human beings were not in permanent settlements. Um, There were settlements, though, but we still think the majority of people were moving around. Yeah. Uh, Then something sort of magical happened around the year 4000 BC, and it was twofold. This surprises people. Okay. One was the invention of beer. (laughs) A great day in history (laughs) as far as I'm concerned. And the other was the (laughs) discovery of wine. Eh, Less important in different parts (laughs) of the world. But the reality is the production of beer and the production of wine involves another layer of technological sophistication. You have to plan ahead. Yeah. And since we find some of the earliest evidence of beer and wine at around that year, there's actually evidence that goes back as far as 6,000 BC. Okay. Uh, but the the aspect of the production of alcoholic beverages may have been the next spur in developing cities <laughs> because you needed to coordinate people on a one-year cycle at least, not just for the growing cycle, but for planning Products and things like bread as well, what we would call bread, uh, also began to see evolutionary processes as well, (laughs) and 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 so on. Now, the big and interesting development of all places, we do attribute the Sumer area. That's the area that is in southern Iraq right now, where the Euphrates and Tigris River join and then exit into. Into the uh, Persian Gulf. Persian Gulf. Yeah, we have now got the 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 aspect that that was the real beginning of organized agriculture. Mm-hmm. Now I want to put this in picture to people today. Think the thought is, oh, it must have been a luscious land with two rivers. <laughs> no, it basically is two rivers rolling through desert. The land there is muddy. And that's one thing that they have there is they got mud. That's why they yep. built all their buildings out of mud. Yep. Is mud, 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 and more mud. And it is probably the more and more unlikely places you would have thought that one of the first civilizations would arise to such a level that would eventually build the kind of structures they would in the next thousand years. Yep. But actually organize a systematic agricultural industry mm-hmm. where there were organized plots of land. There was a variety of little irrigation ditch that were built. Uh, They didn't use terrace, that will come later in other societies where they do build them on different layers. It was basically flat land. But this whole idea of controlled water uh, management, uh, crop distribution, of course, in order to do that you needed to organize people. Yes. And suddenly you begin this process that really exists to this day of stratification. That means Mm. you have bosses and you have workers. (laughs) And you have, and also, I mean, you have priests and holy people, and you've
1: got other people like that. But yeah. but it, it laid the foundations, though, for what we would consider a civilized society. I indeed, suppose. yeah, indeed. And and, and uh, we we tend, in
0: historians, attribute the Sumer area, Sumerians, uh, as giving the world the first organized agricultural industry, mm-hmm. and of course, as they began to expand their influences. Uh, eventually being taken over by the northern Akkads, just living north of them, that they they themselves spread from end to end, uh, even reaching as far as the Mesopotamian... uh, Excuse me, from the Mediterranean Ocean. Uh, Then suddenly this idea that, oh, if you organize things and you use water carefully and you plant these seeds, you can grow fairly consistent amounts of... Well...
1: Crops. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and Whatever if you have it is a, you're looking for, really. If you have a
0: reliable set, you know, agricultural industry, mm-hmm.
1: you can have population growth. Well, and, uh, along the same lines or sort of parallel to organized crops and agriculture came the domestication of animals as well. That's right. It was in the same, same region that Gord's talking about here where we first saw uh, uh, sheep and goats being domesticated. Around the around the same time frame, at least from the research that I that I'd conducted.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I did read a historian who said that there's approximately sixty large format animals on this planet, mm-hmm. of which really only eight or nine. It, there's dispute with it. Have been domesticated. Yeah, and that it happened to be in the Middle East. They they were eventually able to domesticate cows. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pigs, horses. Yeah. And sheep. Okay. And so that, of course, has a huge impact, giving you actually f- four sources of meat, yeah. as well as the ability for certainly horses eventually to be used in plowing yeah. and in crop development
1: and, and so on. Yeah. Uh, well, and with um, uh, with goats and uh, cows as well, you get milk and dairy from that as that's well. That's right. So you there's get another, another
0: benefit. Gather resources. Yep. The next society to kind of tackle agriculture was Egypt. Now there's no doubt that Egypt and the and the Mesopotamian areas were kind of at the same time. Um, but the uh, the Egyptians came along a little bit later when it came to organizing themselves. We do believe that there was ad hoc agricultural growing by the multitudes of, you know, the many little groups that lived along the river. But if you do know your geography, you recognize that in Egypt... Well, even Egypt today as a nation is 90, I don't know, 96% desert.
1: I mean, it's a bad desert. It's a hard, yes, hard desert. Yes, it is, it is not conducive to growing things. That's uh, for sure. I,
0: I know of people who visit the Southwest United States, they refer to it the desert of Southwest United States. Yeah. And sometimes we chuckle thinking that's not really a desert compared to some <laughs> other places. Uh, but Egypt is certainly one nation where it is just, it's, it's just deadly. hmm um, so, but they, but the gift of the Nile is the fact that this river flows and has a unique flowing pattern yeah. and that is every June, give or take a bit, it starts to swell as the river water coming down from the mountains of Ethiopia and further to the south in Africa finally makes its way into the basin yep. and into the delta the, where the river spreads out into kind of a you know, a triangle sort of format and floods and brings all this fresh silt yeah. down with it, this rich, rich silt that is great fertilizer and means you can grow a crop. In fact, most times by the time the river, uh, secede, it goes, sort of goes back on its original sort of volume in the November, it is not uncommon to get two full crops between November and June yeah. in an Egyptian farm. Hmm. And that's one of the amazing advantages that, Egypt, ancient Egypt, particularly had in the fact that it had um, heavy, you know, excellent growth of crops. It could sustain a growing population and it was kind of isolated from the rest of the world. I mean, you could get to it by water, by ship, but there was no real threat to the west across the desert. Mm. There was minimum threat from the south, from what we would call Nibia. Uh, and then you did have some issues coming across the Levant or that area sort of between Israel and Egypt today. Uh, they were actually relatively isolated and they could develop their technologies. We do know they traded and picked up a variety of different techniques in agriculture from Mesopotamian mm-hmm. cultures. But they're heavy water oriented type of farming dominated really up until the Greek occupation uh, of Alexander the Great. Yeah. When they brought some of their own techniques that they had learned from other places. Yeah, their own innovations and they did as well. And they and they began to expand. So Egypt. Um Jeez. (laughs) So that's the culture. Now I'm gonna pass on and get into Rome. Uh, there's some interesting things about Rome, but Rome is a story of legalistic Agriculture. Yeah, it's it's less about
1: the actual farming itself and more about the politics around politics. And we'll get to that, I think, in the second episode. Yeah. What I I,
0: I am going to go here is you had some points though,
1: uh, or did you have a point about Egypt that you had thought about? Uh, Actually, I didn't have too much on Egypt itself. There, I I did find some some pretty interesting things from different areas around the world, though. Like uh, as we mentioned many times in season one, we're working hard to expand a little bit and, and and move away from the Greco-Roman world that we know so much and we're about. we're having fun trying to explore on our own and try to share with our, our audience yeah. what we're discovering. Yeah, exactly. So the, so one thing I found that was really interesting is actually uh, farming techniques that were used a lot in Central Southern America, uh, Mesoamerican ah, okay. and whatnot. Cool. So it was uh, they referred to it as chinampa. Uh, it was a, a farming technique that was really, really well suited to um sort of low-lying almost swampy marshy type areas and so uh, in essence what they would do is is build artificial islands in these low-lying areas so they would make fences out of woven reeds put them down into the, your, your swamp or your your water and what have you fill it with soil and it would so you fill it with soil all the way to the top so the soil's breaching the surface of the water oh, and I then see. you'd plant within that And so they would organize these into columns or into squares, and you could actually canoe between them and use small watercraft to get in between them. And so it was almost a cross between hydroponics and traditional farming. And because they would do this in low-lying, swampy, wet areas, um, they'd have the canals that went through. They would just dredge up soil from... The, the canals in between and dump them onto the top of their their little garden boxes, their planters, their chinampas. Because that would just like the canal or the uh, uh-huh. the the silt that came down through the Nile River in Egypt, this soil was also very, very rich in fertilizer. Anything that was under at the, the bottom of a moving system of water. So they would dredge it up and put it on top of their soil and on top of their plants to act as a fertilizer. Of course they would I mean clan Mm-hmm. Uh, when the
0: Spanish arrived there, mm-hmm. what is now Mexico City, yeah. it was built like that actually as an urban area. Yeah. And I do remember b- finding that they had agricultural areas in the perimeter around this basically artificial island yeah. in in the sea. So yeah. they
1: were doing it in all sorts of small places. Oh yeah, it was. Oh, it, it makes they did, sense. They, they did it all over the place in in Central and and Mesoamerica, or Central and South America. Sorry. And uh, we've got written records from Hernan Cortez, who you know didn't have great relations with the people of those areas, uh, but he, <laughs> he talked about seeing these floating islands. And so this goes back to even the even the time before BC time, as we would say. Yeah, it, it goes it goes back a long ways. The uh, from what I've read, the most prevalent ones that we're aware of were more around twelve hundred of the current era. Right, but. That's got a lot more to do with, you know, the geography of the area and the movements of the people. But it is a, it is a technique that is suspected to have gone back much further than that. I, I mean, we, we know there's the earliest, earliest evidence
0: that we know of agricultural engineering. If yep. call it. it goes back to what we would consider the Olmec period. Mm-hmm. Roughly 1200 BC okay. in the southern part of what is now Mexico and Guatemala yep. and Mesoamerica. But the thing is we, we just have no idea it's, it's these are fragmented leftover what appears to be pop pop possibly terraced small style terraced you know multi-leveled yeah. kind of growing areas okay. at the sides of the hillier because that's a yeah. hilly area of Mexico yeah. but no, having that extensive amount where they actually fence in a piece
1: of basically soil yeah. Oh, that's a remarkable amount of engineering well and and, and that's the thing and it's 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 a, it strikes me as a very creative solution you know to just well I mean they wouldn't have to water anything because we talked about with with egypt and and with other agricultural centers that they were often built close to water because you needed to you needed to water everything you needed to irrigate them and, and keep them hydrated but these were swampy, low-lying areas. So to them, it was almost the opposite problem, where there was an overabundance of water and maybe they were lacking in proper soil and, and open space in which to grow their crops. So, Well, the advantage is the just, soil never gets washed away. Yeah. They just, yeah. They just adapted yeah. to that scenario. They built an enclosure so that the soil doesn't get washed away. They don't have to worry about watering it because it's literally in the water. And then they get all the nutrients they need to from the moving water that's... Watering their their crops. Indeed, I mean, if you go back to ancient Sumeria, one of
0: the one of the problems that occurred after a period of time was this, what they call the salinization. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, the Gulf was was flooding out, so the cities were getting progressively farther and farther away from the the mouth of the of the Gulf. Yeah, and also that salt was working its way in. That's what salinization means. Salt was working its way into the water. Yeah. and therefore was killing the crops, and over a period of about 400 years, it appears that they went from just bounteous crops to they were having a tough time getting anything to grow, so except yeah. maybe barley. Hmm. And in a sense, that would have weakened any society. Oh, of course, yeah. And, and and then other societies that had more advanced agriculture or had more fortunate agricultural uh, situation was able to take advantage of it. Yeah. If you go back to Mesoamerica then, that I find is interesting because... Um, the idea of of carefully creating what did they, what was the word you called? started? Ch- uh, with. It's chinampa. Chinampa. Yep. Yeah, I have to that's, remember that's that the word. term. That's used, yeah. that's a word I haven't come across. I find that yeah, I, that was
1: that was a new one for me. Yeah, I had to I had to practice pronouncing it a lot. I kept getting the n and the m mixed up. <laughs> well, well, in terms of this first episode, because yeah, the
0: second episode we're going to talk about Rome and China mm-hmm. and a little bit about India and some of their agricultural. Strategies mainly because they they had access to good rivers. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of of uh, the other uh, other uh, other major peoples, you know, when we talk about uh, the Mesoamerica, what about South America? How did they deal with agriculture? Because certainly the Incas had a substantial, even if we don't know a lot about it, mm-hmm. and actually. I should be careful. It's not the Incas. They were actually a people that came much, much later. Okay. But the early, early oh, people... Like
1: pre-Incan civilization. Yeah, pre incas okay. I mean,
0: there was a number of them. There there was quite a few names or so on. Yeah. Because there's no historical record. Yeah. We, we don't even know what they call themselves in half the time. Yeah. Uh, there are legends and stories that have been passed on that, 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 that carried on, but uh, I'm sorry to say the Spanish conquistadors did a really good job uh. hammering out. And obliterating a lot of that, yeah. Uh, but there we see their evidence of terraced, mm-hmm. like in China and and, and famous in today in in uh, the Philippines. Yeah, uh, these multi-layered fields yeah. down the sides of of, of mountains. Coffee, you know, the the Andes mountains represent a very formidable line of mountains. Yes, <laughs> so they they may do what what they could on the flatlands that enter, you know, that abut against the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite successful. Uh, some of these terraced areas are still visible to this day that are as much as 4,000 years old. Wow. Sure. Uh, they, 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 quite a few of them survive. Now, we all have images of Machu Picchu yep. as one of the great images of the city up there. Now, that's a much more contemporary city. I think it was estimated to be built in the 1200s. Maybe, certainly, it was built after the Spanish or expanded after the Spanish arrived because yeah. it ended up as a place where a number of people fled to to kind of hide out. Mm -hmm. But uh, in the the area adjacent to it, we find, especially especially towards the coast, uh, definite evidence of a lot of hard work. Now, this this is kind of where a good point will wrap up in this episode Mm -hmm. because it would be nice to be able to have a time machine to go back to some (laughs) of these places to just see them uh, it is remarkable that a society that, although the writing system seemed to be made up of knotted uh, strings. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember reading about that. Yep. Of, uh We, I don't know if there's. I mean, I can't find online or any resource. Do we have any idea what these things were saying? Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll probably find out that the ones that we have been recovered in archaeological don't say days, tax records. <laughs> don't say <laughs> tax records. There'd probably be tax records. There probably gonna be tax records. They're probably going to be tax records. Yeah <laughs> but uh, it would be interesting because they are a society that seemed to have a fairly consistent source of food. Yeah there does not appear to be even in the fossil record, even in the biological record, even in that have any evidence that they had high disruptions of food. So whatever oh, yeah. they did for their food, especially for these unbelievably complex uh, locations and, and and archaeological sites that have been I mean they've got they've they've created plazas and and cities and walls. Of course, what's most famous is that particular uh, set of walls that have blocks of stone that are absolutely 30, 40, 50 tons and have been put together with such precision that you can't even get a knife blade in between them. Wow. So they frame them. These are all multi-shaped and multi-thing. So they had to be able to feed a population to do a significant amount of physical Uh, labor. But we have no idea of their conflicts, really. We don't really have any idea of how they were organized uh, until around the year 800 AD, Mm -hmm. when we get a little bit more information and realize that the predecessors to the Incas began to unify an area right from the junction of Central America and and South America, in what is uh, Colombia, all the way down, but not quite to the end of uh, of uh, Chile. Oh wow! Well, that's uh, that's a sizable piece of area. Uh, that's there. four thousand kilometers. Yeah, and uh, it is a bit like Egypt in the sense that it's long and thin. Yeah, habitable area. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sort
1: of like the Nile yeah. Delta. Yeah. They didn't idea.
0: really. They did get into the mountains eventually, but it wasn't yeah.
1: something that was part of the early cultures. Yeah. Well, just as a as sort of a, a final thought to piggyback on to uh, on the what part of what you just said there is that you know again this is agriculture it's not a terribly fascinating topic for most people but it is a ludicrously important one when you think that agriculture is is essentially the cornerstone of civilization <laughs> it's it's what allowed people to sit still long enough to start working together in communities and to build and to learn so if you want art and literature you've got to feed the artists yeah it, <laughs> you know we, we we didn't have to move around and chase our food down anymore so it, it right. provided more opportunity for you know larger communities to grow up together it, it it was a big part of the socialization of humanity thousands of years ago like it's really hard to overstate the importance of agriculture on our modern society Indeed,
0: And in our, in our next episode, we'll, we're going to focus a bit more on Rome because mm-hmm. it approached agriculturally in a different way. Yep. And then on China yeah. and in India. Mm-hmm. So thank you again for listening to another episode of Ancient Answers. I am mm-hmm. Gordon. And I'm Shane. And we wish you well and we'll catch up with you soon.